Hey gang, I'm Nikki LaCroce, and you're listening to Who the Fuck? A show that explores the power of human connection and the profound resilience of the human spirit through compassionate conversations that help you better understand yourself so you can live with the sense of peace, purpose, and joy that you deserve. Each episode offers a safe space for guests to share intimate details of their personal journey and lessons learned along the way as we all seek to answer life's most important question. Who the fuck am I? Hi, I'm Nikki LaCroce, and you're listening to Who the Fuck. On today's episode, I'm sharing the mic with John Moyer, and John's a professional hypnotist and YouTube creator of hypnosis content that I listen to very frequently. So welcome to the show, John. Thank you for having me. And yeah, and it is, you know, it's kind of funny because like you've got the title of the podcast. And of course, I certainly don't have a problem with using the, you know, the the F word, but it's just it's it's funny sometimes because I was on there was another podcast that had fuck in the title and they're like you can just say fuck as much as you want right and then but but then it's funny for me because it's like as we talked a little bit before kind of the way that I reach people then there's this part of me that somebody be like I heard him say fuck and <laughs> that completely destroys any perception of I, <laughs> I had of him but I'm like hey I I use that word at least six or seven times a day yeah, so. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I had my dad ask me at one point, he's like, so are you considering changing the name of it? And I'm like, you know, I have thought about it, but I also feel like, um, first of all, I think the taboo around it's a little bit irrelevant now. And I also think that just in general, it's the whole reason that I came up with the name for this podcast was because I legitimately was asking myself that question, like, who the fuck am I? And yeah. then I thought, it's not just about me now, it's about who the fuck anybody is. And yeah. so that's the that's the um, impetus for getting to that name. And I think it reflects well on what the actual um, question that we're all answering in this life well, is. There's something uh, energetically about that word. I consider myself to be someone who is passionate about crafting language. Even going back to my stand-up comedy days, you would you would hear people that, you know, don't work blue and don't you don't have to use these words to be funny. I don't think that you do have to use the word to be funny, but there are just some times when you craft language, right? There's something like that word that actually, you know, can take it to a whole nother level. Yeah. And, and it was Funny with my kids, my, my kids are 19 and uh, 15 now, but when they were younger, my rule was, you know, if I ever said a profane word when I was a kid, man, my dad would take the belt and I'd just get beaten, you know, all over the place. But I always told my kids, if it's in the context of being funny, and there were times that my kids said some funny stuff and they threw a word in there and I... I laughed so hard and, you know, I'm like, all right, you were funny. So it was okay to, <laughs> to use that word. Yeah. I have friends who are also like, you can use it, but only if you use it correctly. And I'm yeah. like, oh, but the variety of ways you can use it. <laughs> yeah. And, and well, there were, and I'll, I'll share, share this story with you. My youngest must've been eight or nine at the time. And my oldest, he must've been a junior high at the time. And they were required to go see a play before the end of the semester. Now, of course my kid waited until the very end of the semester. So it was like, you know, a week before Christmas. And we're like scrambling to find a play that he can go see. And it was Christmas Carol. And they sang Christmas hymns or carols all through the whole thing too, even though there wasn't any, you know, songs in the original. They made a musical out of it. So now the whole night, 
we're listening. These songs were done. I've just watched a really crappy play with all this Christmas music. And we get in the car and we're driving home. I'm done with the Christmas carols. So I started playing Five Finger Death Punch. <laughs> if you're familiar at all with Five Finger Death I'm Punch. I'm not, but the name just really yeah, dude, makes it. <laughs> total heavy metal. Every other motherfucker. <laughs> right? So we're listening to this. Song gets done. Complete dead silence in the car. And my eight-year-old in the back seat in his best tiny Tim voice goes, God bless us, every motherfucking one. <laughs> and my wife and I, we, we lost it. It was just, it was hysterical. And I'm like, all right, I, I can't call him out on using the F word because that was really funny. Or, you know, and then they get in the habit where they go on and they're playing video games online with their friends, like Call of Duty or something. I have gone in and go, whoa, 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 dude, you can come up with some better words to right. use to communicate yourself. You know, there's, yeah. a, there's a balance between the two. As with most things in life, which I think yeah. is actually a really great segue to really a, an exploratory conversation with you, you know, who you are and sort of how you've gotten to where you are today. When you think about your journey, I mean, we had just been chatting a little bit and you had mentioned you started in stand up and now you have a very successful YouTube channel and you're creating a lot of content that I, I feel is really valuable on a personal level, but I'm sure just based on the comments that I read and the interactions that I see, you know, it's impacting many, many people. So can you tell me a little bit about how you got into stand-up, but then how yeah. you transitioned from stand-up to being a hypnotist? Because I think that's quite the transcendence. It, yeah, you know what it is? And yet it's this really strange convergence of all of these different elements of my life over the past you know, since my professional life would be, you know, the last 25 years, I guess it would be. But I, I, I went to theater and film school. Okay, nice. That was my passion, you know, from when I was a kid early on, we had a super eight movie camera and I discovered this and I started making these home movies and then I'm editing them together back in the day where you'd have to literally cut the film and tape it together. And, mm -hmm. but I had this, I just, I fell in love with, um, uh, film. And, and it's kind of interesting. The reason why that happened is because we had a movie theater, probably, I think it was like a 10 minute, 15 minute walking distance uh, from my house. Now this would have been the early eighties, you know, when it was, you know, anyone under 17, not admitted without a parent or dude, they didn't care about any of that. Yeah. So like, I think I, I must've been 12 or 13 years old. And me and my buddies went and saw American Werewolf in London. And I was just so like amazed by the special effects. And I thought it was an interesting story that that's when I went home and took my dad's super eight millimeter movie camera and, and, you know, and started making movies. And while I was in film school, there was a comedy club where I was at and they had an open mic night. And then I went and did an open mic night. And interestingly enough, the, the manager said, Hey, do you want to come back on the weekend and do some time during, you know, like the, the weekend shows? Cool. I was always passionate about comedy and very, you know, interested in, in you know, being funny. The scripts that I wrote, um, the stuff that I did when I was in film school was, you know, kind of had a punchline or, or mm -hmm. was humorous. So when I graduated from film school, I went on the road doing stand up comedy. And I was fortunate enough that the time that I had in film school, in addition to what I was doing creatively with film, I was, you know, simultaneously working on a stand-up act and was able to become professional enough that I was, you know, I was getting gigs and, and, and getting books. And it all kind of seemed in the same wheelhouse for me because I wanted to be creative, writing mm -hmm. scripts, and I could be creative being funny. And, and those two things kind of, um, they merged together. 
And along the way, I was able to have a, several uh, scripts that I wrote produced and distributed as, as independent films and, and, oh, nice. you know, did really well. But my, you know, my passion was always that experience with the audience. I love that, you know, that live experience. But then in the 2000s, um, it was interesting. The, the nature of stand-up comedy had, had changed a bit. The business model was a little bit different, like when you got down to the local level, as far as the way the comedy clubs operated. And there was kind of a lot of changes when, especially when the internet kind of really took off with like MySpace and social media. Yeah. Um, it became not necessarily about who was the funniest person. It became about who was the most well-known person or at least famous person relative to MySpace is what it was at the time. Yeah. And so that really, that really changed things. And I didn't kind of like necessarily where it was going. And I felt that I just kind of was at an impasse personally too, because I went through a divorce. I had two kids and I was in my, you know, my forties and then dating all the wrong women after, and just was in a really dark space personally. So I'm kind of feeling like things aren't going necessarily where I wanted to professionally and things certainly weren't where I wanted them to be. I was always fascinated by the mind and I realized some things needed to change. And I kind of realized that if things we're going to change it. I would have to change inside. I would need to do some things, you know, some inner work as it were. Yes. But I wound up discovering, I was at an event where I saw a stage hypnotist perform. I was doing stand up. after that. There was a, a stage hypnosis show. And for my event, it must, you know, maybe it was like three quarters full, the, the space that they had in the audience. But when the hypnotist went up there, it was like standing room only. And I was like, this was pretty amazing because I could get half of these people and now it's standing room only for all these people. Not to mention the fact that it was a really good show. And I went, you know what? This could be the change that I'm looking for. This could be something different. I already knew how to be on stage. Of course, I just needed to figure out how to hypnotize people. Yeah, um, small task. It was a daunting task um, at first, but you know, I went through it. I wound up training, doing you know, stage hypnosis and then began using the stuff that I understood about hypnosis and then consequently med meditation as well, because they're sister states of mind. And then my personal life, you know, all of a sudden began to change. I was thinking differently and feeling differently, behaving differently. And my stand-up comedy, because I was simultaneously doing stand-up comedy and stage hypnosis, but the hypnosis really accelerated. That just took off for me where I went from, you know, driving, you know, 12 hours to a gig somewhere in the middle of the Midwest, staying in a Motel 6 for not great money, doing like a hell bar, to going to be, you know, flown first class, doing corporate events around the country, uh, and then performing for Royal Caribbean Cruise Line as well. So when that all accelerated, and then of course, my stand-up was, I was kind of an angry, bitter kind of a guy. I would take all the drama from my personal life, and that's what I would rant about on stage. And then when all of a sudden I didn't have any drama in my personal life anymore, I didn't feel like I had any conflict in my personal life anymore. I was at peace. I'm like, well, I don't have anything to be funny about on stage. And it was just a very odd thing, a refreshing thing, but an odd thing to just kind of see that switch get turned off inside of me yeah. when I was so passionate about doing this one thing, but then not having the fire to do that anymore, not because of any external circumstances, but I changed on the inside. Yeah. Now, the other thing that wound up evolving as far as because like, you know, the nature of stand up had changed. Well, then hypnotists, when they would do a show after the show, they were selling CDs of stop smoking and weight loss and 
you know, reducing stress and all these things. But then of course, CDs became passe. Nobody had CDs anymore because they didn't have CD players. Yeah. Everything was digital. And all these uh, hypnotists were debating online in these Facebook groups, how are we going to market or sell our content after shows if nobody has CDs anymore? And then I just thought, well, if everything is going to digital, I'll just tell people to go to my website. And I created these digital downloads on my website. And then I thought, well, I'll put some of this stuff on YouTube, thinking that maybe somebody will hear my stuff on YouTube, they go to my website and they'd buy it. What it never occurred to me was that people would actually use YouTube as a platform to experience that content. Yeah. And I wasn't really active on YouTube, you know, just other than putting the stuff on there. And then I was like three, four, five months later, whatever, I go back and actually look at YouTube. And I realized I've had some videos that took off and primarily for sleep, people were looking for stuff to fall asleep. And from that, that's kind of where everything with YouTube took off and found me where I'm at right now. It's so interesting, John, because you had the overlapping experience, which I find really fascinating. You'd gone from um, sort of one avenue of performance to another. And I can relate and understand for sure about how when your personal trauma is waning, at least in, yeah. in, in its very visceral presence, let's say, it can feel a little like it dilutes inspiration in certain areas of your life. And I think when it comes to comedy, a lot of times, like what we love about it is the relatability of the observational comedy and yeah. that it's part of life and it's the human experience and we're all there for it because we get it. But, you know, to, to recognize that um, hypnotism was something that, not only interested you, but could become a passion and ultimately really become a professional change for you. Was there a moment in time where you acknowledged, okay, this is where I want to go with it? It sounds like you had sort of clearly marked a moment in time where you were like, okay, I'm not really feeling like stand-up's my thing anymore. But did you ever imagine what you were going to do with hypnotism would come to where it is now? No, I always tell people it's kind of happened by happenstance, but yet that I go at the same time, there's no coincidences. Everything kind of aligns. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now you've got, like I said, this convergence of all of these areas of my life engulfed in, in creativity, mm -hmm. you know, so my ability to write and my ability to communicate and connect and then edit and put this final product together takes everything that I, I've learned over my professional career. But the bigger part of that is years ago, I worked with a stand-up comedian named Jack Mayberry. And I think at one point he'd been on The Tonight Show more than any other comedian, but he says to me, he's, you know, when you're telling a joke, you're giving a gift to somebody and you're sharing something with them that they're going to receive and, you know, maybe be excited about or be pleased about or be happy about. And that really was everything that I felt about being creative, even since, you know, when I was a little kid, you've got this completely intangible concept or idea inside of you that generates a feeling, yeah. you know, whether you think something is funny or you think something is inspirational or educational or whatever it is, but there's this completely intangible idea and emotion inside of you. And then as an artist, you take that intangible object and you create it in physical form in a tangible way that you can share with other people. And then they're able to, you know, to benefit from that. And that was always my driving force when I was a little kid trying to make people laugh is like, if I can make people laugh and feel good. Well, that, you know, that felt good to me. I felt like I was being yeah. able to be creative. I was being able to use 
you know, my talents or whatever the case may be. Yeah, definitely. So being in a situation now where I'm able to be creative in a way that I can take this, these ideas and these experiences intangible inside of me and then put them in a way that resonate with other people. That to me has always been my, you know, my driving force and my goal. Of course, I never really expected that it would happen, you know, in this way. That's not in a bad way. That's like, wow, I never would have imagined this, but this yeah. is better than I could have ever imagined. Definitely. Oh, well, and I love the way that you just expressed that too, and sharing your experience where somebody else gave you that perspective on what you're offering as a gift and that that's something that we seek from one another as well. Um, yeah. Even if it's in a way that isn't necessarily overt all the time, you know, when we put on stand-up comedy, we want something light. We want to laugh when we're putting on, you know, a documentary, we want to learn something. And when I'm putting on your content, I'm trying to fall asleep. And I feel like there's intention behind it. And the, even for me with putting out the podcast, it's something that I had I'd been in therapy for about a year and I was there because I was miserable at my job. And I basically was like, I, I feel unfulfilled. I don't feel connected to what I'm doing. What am I supposed to do? And not asking that question to my therapist, but asking that question of myself and really understanding pretty quickly that that desire to connect with people that need to feel like I was providing something, but I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what that would be. I blogged for a very brief moment in time about a lot of different topics and it just felt so one note. It felt like um, yeah. grasping at straws instead of having a conversation. And I didn't want to only invite people in to consume content. I want people to be part of the conversation because yeah. I love learning about people. I love yeah. talking to people and I appreciate offering a space to people to be able to share their story the way they want it told. And that's so true to them because I think so often in the world of content creation, you're trying to deliver something of value. Obviously it's the supply and demand of content, right? Yeah. Um, in terms of how you've navigated your personal and professional life. Do you feel like you've had certain inspirations um, around the topics that you discuss and the things you hope that people can glean from your recordings? Or do you feel like you're coming from a place of this is what's important to me and I, I hope that that will be important to other people too? There's kind of two parts to that because the things that I share and talking about how my channel initially took off for what they call sleep hypnosis, people were looking to you know have something to you know fall asleep. The, the thing for me was I was certainly much more interested. There were other topics, you know, that, that interest me other than just telling people that they could fall asleep or helping them fall asleep. The thing is, is YouTube's, they're all about dialing in very specific demographics. Apparently uh, my channel became uh, targeted towards the demographic of people who wanted to have something that they could fall asleep to and then continue to play all night, eight hour content. And so I said, okay, I can create something to help people fall asleep, but then speak to the themes that, you know, are of interest to me or helped me change my life for the better, and then be able to put that out there for people to be able to benefit themselves. So, you know, my stuff might be sleep hypnosis to fall asleep and download positive energy or shield yourself from, from negative energy. Like one of my most popular videos, um, you know, it's got... 3 million some odd views was for meeting your spirit guides. Mm -hmm. 
And then, of course, it's always interesting sometimes to see comments from people that are like, this is ridiculous. This isn't true. And spirit guides, you know, they're not real, blah, blah, blah. Well, the thing is, is if somebody says it would be of interest to me to connect with my spirit guides, what might that be their reason? Well, probably there's there's things in their life that they're looking for answers to. There Mm -hmm. are things in their life that they're struggling with. There's things that they want to overcome, or maybe they've got some stress or anxiety and they're looking for comfort or strength or answers. So I take something that would be able to tell you know, somebody's mind within that space. Okay. You're meeting your spirit guide, but then the information that I'm sharing is all information that would be applicable to every single individual, as far as being able to tap into their ability to feel calm and, you know, overcome stress Mm -hmm. or feel more empowered, feel more inspired to be able to come up with more answers for themselves and to be able to guide them through their lives. So it's essentially this, these universal concepts that would benefit everybody just packaged in a way that allows somebody to be able to receive it within a hypnotic state that's going to benefit them. Well, and what I love about that too, John, is that um, it's, it's both like broad stroke and very specific. What I think is so amazing about what you do and where I was in my life when I found your content and started listening to it was I was absolutely seeking a sense of peace and calm. And while I, I definitely um, revisit your sleep content quite a bit. I'm intentional when I choose it because it sort of depends where am I in a given moment on mm-hmm. yeah. what um, what I'm hoping to, to get from it. Yeah. And um, what I love is sometimes when I wake up in the middle of the night and I catch like midway through something and I'm like, so this is what I'm listening to, you know, yeah. and sort of becoming more open-minded just in general in life about that sense of consciousness and Mm -hmm. what exists really within us and around us that we aren't paying attention to all the time. I find that your content really has helped give me new perspective and a sense of not only peace, but understanding. And also in general, I try to practice a lot of gratitude. Um, yeah. And it, it just really comes together in a way that I feel to your point, anybody can benefit from you just have to have the willingness and desire. And it's not like, you know, you're not forcing your content down people's throats. It's a decision that you make. So when people comment on stuff, I'm kind of like, okay, like, that, that's how you're spending your day. I yeah. think that's unfortunate. But <laughs> Um, You know, at the same point in time, there's something to be said for the fact that there is the desire for so many people to have a place to go when when you need that, when you need that calm, when you need that perspective. I'm curious, did you have content like yours available as you were going through your challenging life transitions or traumas that you were speaking about? Or is this something that you feel is more representative of you and as a creator and what you're putting out there rather than maybe what you consume? The things that I have learned, I, I owe to my wife and it, it, you know, it's an interesting thing. We met, it'll be 10 years ago next month. We've been married uh, for six years, but I was like saying there's no coincidence there. If it was a coincidence, there were about 75 things that had to coincidentally line up for us to come together at that moment. Mm -hmm. And both not only having, you know, similar paths, similar experiences, but then coming into these, what we call this, you know, this consciousness or this understanding about how we perceive reality and then, Mm -hmm. you know, the nature of reality and, and how we live our lives. So when I got together with her, 
she was a little bit more advanced than I was, but she's sharing these ideas with me. And the ideas are the things that changed my life for the better. And so there were these concepts that she started to teach and I started to learn, but then at the same time, I was going in and seeking out some of the content that was out there you totally. know, to help benefit me. I always say there's two kinds of people. There are um, Newtonian physics people, and then there's quantum physics, law of attraction people, mm-hmm. you know, and the, and the Newtonian physics people believe, okay, well, if I physically take action and interact with something that will, you know, that will create motion or that will create change, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the law of attraction, quantum physics, people say, okay, well, if I put this energy on something, I'm not physically interacting with something, but I'm putting energy on something and therefore I can create change and I can create motion mm-hmm. and hypnosis and meditation benefits both types of those people. If somebody is receiving content and they're making changes within their subconscious mind, that's going to inspire them to think differently, feel differently, and then act differently that helps them. And then of course, if you have the the law of attraction, quantum physics people, if they're receiving content that helps them and inspires them within their subconscious mind to think differently and feel differently, well, then that energy, not only will they act differently, but that energy is then going to go out on an even grander scale and make even greater things happen if that's something that, you know, that somebody subscribes to. So putting that stuff out there, even like, you know, somebody goes, I may not believe in positive energy, but yet again, I'm sharing things that are going to be applicable, you know, to everybody. And they're going to learn some ideas and insights and concepts that they're going to just start adapting within their subconscious mind that is going to allow them to respond differently in certain situations rather than react differently. And that's one of the the, the things that I love is hearing from people, the, the benefits that they've experienced, the yeah. things that, you know, that they've been able to share and saying, wow, this completely helped me through this situation or this has completely changed my outlook. It's so amazing to hear how you've grown through your relationship with your wife as well. And in that regard, it's same thing for me and my wife. We've said to each other, it's almost impossible for us to have a long disagreement or a moment of conflict because our energies are just like mm-hmm. so readable. And it's like, yeah. I yeah. know that something is off. So like, we're just going to deal with this, um, whether we both need time, space, whatever, but she's somebody that her energy radiates. And I think that it allowed me to get more in touch with parts of myself that had been really closed off for a long time because of the nature of the psychological abuse that I was dealing with in my last relationship. I was feeling open-minded to all of it. So instead of feeling resistant to things that I would otherwise have probably not shared with somebody else, I felt like, okay, well, I do feel energetically connected to things. And I do feel this sense of awareness and existence and consciousness that I hadn't really ever expressed to anybody before. And so it was like she created a safe space for me to be able to explore it further while also offering that insight that she had because she was already to echo your comment already further down that journey than I was. And even just little things like Oracle cards, stuff that I was like, I don't understand what's happening here. Um, (laughs) I don't get it. Like, how do you do it? And it's like just sort of giving yourself the space um, without judgment on yourself too, to be willing to explore that spiritual and subconscious component of ourselves that we in a day-to-day experience have to be intentional about if you want to show up in that way because so much of our lives are not built around 
that sort of structure. They're built around this very um, specific tactical way of existing. And so I find a lot of, um, a lot of, I keep using the word peace, but that's what it is. And solace in knowing that like, we have the choice to sort of step back from the expectations of everything and allow ourselves to just be and show up in that way where you, you kind of let the energy guide you through the situation and give yourself the ability to be objective, maybe about what you're feeling or how a certain situation is being experienced. Yeah. Well, and you're exactly right. The thing is, and this is kind of me speaking from, you know, my inner ethereal self, but I, I think early humanity civilizations understood the connection between our physical existence and energy. They understood that we were, you know, we are energetic beings and they knew how to um, tap into that and master that and utilize that. And it's not a mystical thing. It's not, you know, even though we may even put the label spiritual on it, it's really, it's a quantum physics thing. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, material matter is really kind of an illusion. If you go all the way down, you know, to the smallest degrees, everything's just, it's energy. It honestly, like, and, this is where the rabbit hole starts though, John, because then I'm like, yes. nothing is real, but it's all real, but it's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is a huge rabbit hole to go down. I, I know exactly what you mean. And that that was kind of the thing when I started to study that and then putting the idea of energy in relationship to the idea of consciousness, then all of a sudden, yeah, that rabbit hole just got, it was this big old sinkhole, you know, you're going down. And the thing for me is, well, going back to talking about early humanity understood that, but I think that as humanity evolved and they started thinking more, then they began to look at things in a more very literal, physical way mm-hmm. and not tapping into that energetic. I think people are getting back to that now. They're understanding that, you know, for the longest time, that was, of course, whether they wanted to poo-poo religion or something along the lines of the law of attraction or different types of mystical or spiritual ideas. People understand now that that's something that's very, very scientific mm-hmm. and beginning to, you know, expand on that. I, one of the things that fascinated me is, you know, we've got the pineal gland in our brains that actually have calcite crystals that have piezoelectric qualities that literally transmit like a radio frequency, you know, from us and into us. And people talk about like intuition or being able to, you know, resonate something that all of a sudden somebody else kind of just shows up and is there for them or something comes Mm -hmm. together or happens. But it's like when you're watching these flocks of birds that are literally able to turn back and forth simultaneously, well, we we know that they've got this kind of individual radar that connects to all of them. They understand. And we've got that within all of us as well. Yeah. So people are beginning to understand that. Now, the thing that fascinates me about, you know, whether the mind and whether it's hypnosis or meditation, if you're putting into like computer terms, I've heard it said that the conscious mind processes somewhere about like seven to 10 bits of information per second. Whereas the subconscious mind is processing somewhere. It's like 20 million bits of information, you know, per second. So there's a lot more happening within the subconscious mind. Um, Now, if you put that in terms of energy, then what are we subconsciously putting out there? 
Right. So it's like people might go to a seminar, they might read a book, they might see a movie or even just a meme or something that goes, yes, this makes so much sense. And I'm going to start doing this and I feel inspired and this is going to change my life and things are going to be great. And then, you know, a few days later or a week later, or whatever it is, you're back to doing the same old patterns of behavior again. And that's because your conscious mind is going, yes, this makes sense. But your subconscious mind is going, of course, this makes sense for everybody else and not for us because we're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We're not strong enough. We're not capable enough. We can't do this. And that's a subconscious programming. You're putting that energetically out there as well. So that's why, you know, real change takes place when you're actually able to go in and erase and rewrite and rewire those connections in the subconscious mind. Yeah, that's such a great perspective. I love that so much of this is able to be tied back to things that people um, honestly can't dispute when it comes to the science behind a lot of things and being able to speak to it in a way that is both literal because of the science, but also it's something that is visceral. Um, I, I feel from my own experiences where just knowing that I've done the work and really being intentional about, you know, why am I showing up the way that I'm showing up? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Like everyone, to your point, I've had those experiences where it's like, yeah, totally. I'm going to change the way that I am wanting to get to a place where that growth happens and you get over that hump of your own insecurities or embedded bias or whatever it might be. And I've had those moments where even recently I acknowledge, okay, I like the way I feel when this thing happens. So if I want that to keep happening, then I need to be more intentional about it. But then I need to be consuming content that facilitates that. I need to be doing activities that facilitate that growth. You can't just sort of hope and wish that your life is going to magically go the direction that you want it to go. I think a lot of people get very comfortable sort of blaming circumstance for why things yeah. don't work out. And having been in such a toxic relationship for so long, I feel like I'd gotten really dragged down. But there's also, of course, the implication of my own enablement in that process. But it was something that when I released that was such a major thing to begin with. And then also in that process of simultaneously having to heal from my mom's passing, it was like, nothing about my life is the same right now. It was a very clear cut, like things are changing. It's similar to what you described early in the conversation. It's like, you just kind of knew that your life as it is moving forward was not going to be the way that it had been previously. Yeah. Like your life was almost no longer familiar to you. So you were about yeah. to create a new one. Is that sort of how you felt in, in that transitional moment? Yeah, because gradually as things began to change within me, then all of a sudden I'm, I'm seeing things change outside of me. But if you're coming from a space of energy, um, to be able to be aware and be present, especially relative to emotional states and having tools and techniques, because look, we're all going to have moments you know, where we get frustrated or we get down or we get upset or we get depressed or we get angry and acknowledging that, but yet at the same time realizing how can I shift my energy in this state. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have a more productive outcome. And then realizing too, that it's not, things don't happen from the outside in, they happen from the inside out. Yeah. And you're right. Everybody, a lot of people, and I spent a better part of my life doing this as well, blaming circumstances and blaming people for what was happening to me personally. And then realizing that I could come from a space where letting that go and realizing that my emotional states are a choice. And one of the things my wife taught me that 
you know, I love it. Some of the stuff that I shared in my content is when something comes up that triggers you, when a person comes up that triggers you, whatever, you should tell me, say, I nothing that, or I nothing them, or I nothing it. And what's happening is, you know, you say that enough times, your subconscious mind is going to go, oh, well, you know, this complete jackass at work, it's not really a big deal. So why, you know, get upset about it? What's things like that, that you realize that, okay, I can recondition my subconscious mind to have a completely different response, really different action. And then all of a sudden um, you're taking control of situations and experiences. You're taking responsibility for them, but you're, you're controlling them. You're now creating a brand new set of experiences for yourself. As you were saying that it just, the term responsibility really holds true. It's accountability to ourselves, right? Like um, it feels easier to blame the world when Mm -hmm. you're not willing to be sort of accountable to yourself. And even if the circumstances that have occurred that have impacted your life aren't things that have happened because of something you've done in particular, it still is within our control. And I don't say that lightly. I think it's an evolution for us as people to be able to get to a place where we understand that and that we accept that and we can actually do something with it. But to be able to get to a place where you're like, you know what, I, it's not worth it for me to be angry about certain things. And when my mom passed away, my dad and I were having a conversation in the car driving down to my sister's. And I remember he and I were dealing with something stupid had happened on the drive. I don't remember what it was. And I said, you know, do you find yourself feeling just like less bothered by these types of things since losing mom like it just like why does it matter it seems so insignificant and i think sometimes when you have a really big life moment that changes things it also helps give you more perspective on like why am i putting energy towards that right like i used to feel a lot more judgmental years prior to even losing my mom I, i think i was starting to evolve past that sort of sense of judgment but Um, doing the podcast has done wonders for me in terms of just approaching situations with empathy and compassion as opposed to judgment and being able to feel like this is a better path for me. I Mm -hmm. feel like a better person when I'm not angry about menial things and when I show up in a way that is leading from kindness and leading from compassion. And yeah, of course I have moments where I flip out about things. I'm human, yeah. but I do feel like even just the communication that um, my wife and I have, and I'm curious if you feel the same way, is like, it's easier to work through the moments that are challenging because you both have the perspective to be like, I don't want to exist in a state of anger or frustration. Yeah, I want to be able to feel better about this. So how do we feel better about it? Yeah. And I was going to say, yeah, who, who does want to exist in a state of anger and frustration? I mean, though I, I did for a period of my life, you know, and we, people do have addictions to those neuropeptides where I want to, I want to feel, you know, you know, I want to feel that drama. Again, one of the things that my wife taught me is that nobody can make us feel anything. You mm-hmm. know, people say you made me so mad. Well, you know, maybe they presented a case, uh, a set of circumstances for you to choose into, you know, to being mad. Mm-hmm. But ultimately how we deal with that is our choice. But at the end of the day, we do just prefer to be happy. We want to be able to prefer to feel all these range of positive emotions. And, you know, like with my wife and you talk about with yours, how do you get past something and, and you do because 
you prefer to feel better off about something. And that's the thing when something, when we like with, you know, with my wife, there's certainly things from our past or her past that were, you know, we experienced with other partners that may, you know, may trigger us. And the thing is, is in that moment, we're able to stop and to acknowledge, okay, I'm feeling something here, whether it's real or whether it's not, but I'm feeling it. So it's a real thing to me. It's happening. So let, it's happening. <laughs> so let's just, you know, talk about this. And there's been times that I would say, this is kind of what I'm feeling right now, or what I'm going through right now. And she would say, you know, I didn't mean it that way or, you know, whatever. The, the, the problem is, is people get caught fighting for their, you know, their rightness. Like I'm angry and you're angry and we both want to be right. So let's just continue to prove to the other person how we're right and continue to be angry. But at the end of the day, you just, you want to overcome that. Yeah. So, okay, let's acknowledge it. Let's talk about it and then own it and be authentic about it where you can say, all right, well, I didn't mean it that way. I can see how you interpreted it that way. Now we can, you know, we can get through this. It's just about taking responsibility for ourselves and letting go of the need to have things be a certain way for us to be able to feel good about ourselves. Yeah. It's like people say, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. You have to be this way in order for me to, to be happy. And it's not, it's just the complete opposite. Yeah. You can choose to be happy regardless of anybody else's conduct or behavior. But when you start to get it out onto an energetic term, when you choose into that peace and you choose into that, that happiness, it's kind of a weird thing how all of a sudden circumstances and people around you begin to show up to reflect that peace for and, sure and that happiness. And I, I can't tell you how many times, numerous examples of my life where I have changed something within me and things outside of me change in ways that I didn't even expect you know, cause sometimes we, we, we start to put parameters on things, mm -hmm. you know, it's gotta be this way. And if this happens this way and that, then I can feel when ultimately you just let go of judgment, you let go of expectation about how things should show up. You focus on that emotional state. And then there's going to be an infinite amount of ways that things can show up to sustain you in that emotional state. But that's, that's one of the hardest things initially early on, or, and you know, even still there's times, you know, for me now is just going, okay, I'm just going to let go how I think this should turn out. And I'm going to focus on feeling those preferred emotions. And then all of a sudden things just show up to, you know, sustain me in that. Yeah. I think that that's a really important point to make too, which is that, um, you know, sort of magnetism that comes with that choice and that you can deliver on that preference, you know, yeah. and I, did you record, um, maybe like a YouTube short or something like saying you prefer something versus yeah okay yeah. i had just listened to it the other night yeah. because i was like this sounds super familiar was it you it feels like it should be yeah <laughs> and that's that's one of those things like when you when again you know we're, we're tying in at least for me tie in these concepts that if we adapt within our subconscious mind that helps to be able to, to shift things but when we say i want something well you know want is saying all right i'm lacking something and i'm needy and, but when you say I prefer something, then you're basically saying, um, this is what, when I try to define something without using the same word, but this is, you know, how I prefer to be, you know, if somebody says, I want to be happy, what's happening is, is the subconscious mind is going, well, we're not happy now and we're in lack. 
So, okay, we're just going to keep being in lack and wanting because we're telling ourselves that we're wanting. Mm-hmm. But then if you say, I prefer to be happy, the subconscious mind goes, oh, okay, we prefer to be happy. So how does a happy person think and feel and act? And then all of a sudden you start taking on those qualities of a person who is happy because that's what you prefer versus wanting to be happy, which is something that the subconscious mind um, could believe that you don't have and it's not you're not going to obtain that. So it's going to keep you in a perpetual state of want. You know what I love about the way this conversation has gone, and I appreciate you spending so much time with me, is that I feel like we started this conversation speaking about um, really the importance of the choice of words that we use and Mm -hmm. having that conversation about also saying that you prefer something instead of wanting and coming from that place of lack. I think it rounds things out really nicely and that it really comes together for me um, just being able to share the conversation with you and think about somebody like yourself who has been able to make an impact and create um, more perspective for people through your own growth is so amazing to see. And it's such a, a, a really humbling experience to hear not only a bit about your own growth in that, but also just your overall way of showing up in the world by applying what you share with other people. Because it's something that I think a lot of content creators can performative it's just is the way that it is right um but when you speak about it you speak about really living the experience that you're also sharing with people and encouraging people to grow and channeling that energy and that goodness from within and, and showing that to people is just so honorable and really incredible to be witness to um both on the listener side on youtube but also right here with you so i really appreciate your time john thank you so much for doing this with me i appreciate it you know it's just a great for me it was a fun conversation and it was an interesting conversation and engaging conversation and i appreciate your energy and the opportunity to kind of give me a voice with those individuals that you resonate with and listen to you so i'm i i appreciate it i'm very grateful nikki thank you Likewise. Well, gang, that's all for this episode of Who the Fuck. If you enjoyed our conversation and you want to learn more about John and what he does, you can check out johnmoyer.com. You can also visit youtube.com slash johnmoyerhypnosis. Thanks for listening to Who the Fuck. And if you like what you hear, share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else you think needs a healthy dose of introspection and raw authenticity. Feel free to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. It's always appreciated. And you can also visit whothefck.com to check out more content. Plus, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at whothefck underscore pod to keep up to date with what's new in my world and for exclusive bonus content. Catch you on the flip side. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your hosts for The The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hour. 
Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast.